Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. I'm going to begin with the sublimely ridiculous, and then move on into the ridiculous, and then to other matters. I've mentioned time and again that inside the Beltway, one thing that you might hear, and which I certainly did many times, is this description of the two major political parties, the Democrats, the evil party, and the Republicans, the stupid party. And even though it is a short of a Truth, it is nonetheless accurate in so many cases. And you know, we have heard from those of the Enlightenment, the left, that now there is no civil discourse, and it's because of those of the so-called right, you know, the conservatives. No, not the alt-right or whatever, but just conservatives, those more conservative than the extreme mushy middle. Now, one who is associated with the right is U.S. Senator Ted Cruz, Republican from Texas. And perhaps he's a favorite of yours. He's not a favorite of mine. However, given how sorry the state of things is with the U.S. Senate, He is so preferable to so vastly many of them. But Ted was out with his wife, Heidi, and committed the egregious, monstrous trespass of taking his wife to a restaurant for dinner. And those champions of free thought, those intellectually enlightened members of the left. They had uh, various members of their core pay a visit to Ted and his wife, Heidi, in this restaurant and harass them and accost them and so on and so forth. Because after all, those of the left, they are champions of a civil discourse. So what was Ted Cruz's response in what he thought was the Christian thing to do? His version of the Christian thing to do was he said, God bless you to them. But that's Ted. I don't know. To me, he has always looked like a Catholic priest. And uh, if I look at some of his positions, his stances on things, I don't find a great deal of fault at times, even though it tends to be on the weak side of things. But anyway, these wonderful champions of free speech, of free thought, as long as it is thought and speech of the left and of the leftist agenda and of the sodomite agenda, of the abortionist agenda, as long as it is speech of that sort and tearing down 
the Christian foundation of this nation, there are no holds barred. There is absolute, unassailable freedom of speech, right? And expression and thought. But oh my, if you don't ascribe to their beliefs, look out. Well, a great free thinker, according to those in his corner, President Trump paid a visit to that most illustrious of world institutions, the United Nations. And the president made any number of uh, statements in his address to the General Assembly, but I'm only going to quote a couple. (laughs) I'll spare you the rest. But our president declared that the military of the United States of America is, quote, more powerful than it has ever been before, end quote. He also went on to state that in less than two years, in the time that he's been in office, in the time that he's been in the White House, that his administration has accomplished more than almost any administration in the history of our country, end quote. Well, our president, he does go in for hyperbola. And exaggeration to the extreme. It's just, it's who he is. But here to the UN and various high and mighty, extremely advanced intellects there at the UN uh, apparently were not impressed. Well, it's not their reaction that I give a hoot about. But it's rather the statements that the president made stating that the United States of America's military is now more powerful than it has ever been before. Even though in terms of nuclear weapons, which are horrendous, but in terms of nuclear weaponry, this nation is so much weaker than it has been for so long, courtesy of the efforts of the previous president, Barack Hussein Obama, and the Clinton gang that preceded George W. Bush. But in addition to that, our military contrary to what our great president said. Now, I I know this sits very well with many people, undoubtedly, but it's an out-and-out lie, a bald-faced lie, not mere exaggeration, absolute lie. And while it is terribly narrow-minded of me to say this, the fact of the matter is that the makeup of the military, the makeup of the military consisting as it does not just of SEAL Team 6 and all of the SEAL teams and all of the Green Berets 
and all of our special forces, which are just a drop in the bucket in terms of military manpower and which still are military manpower as compared to woman power and as compared to pregnant woman power and as compared to sodomite power and transvestite power and as compared to the Islamists within our military and the Satanists and so forth who all taken together constitute a significant amount of our military. Now, am I likening pregnant women in the military to Islamists and Satanists? No, no, I'm not. But as I mentioned before, years ago, I saw information that stated that of women in the Navy, that at any given point in time, 10%, 1 in 10 were pregnant. I just saw something a few days ago with regard to the state of this as well, and stating that there was more sexual assault and more consensual sex and so forth with female members of the military aboard Navy vessels than anywhere else, including all of our outstanding aircraft carriers. Oh, but that doesn't diminish our military preparedness. Not a jot, not a bit, absolutely not. Has nothing to do with it. Anyway, our president, he can say what he wants to say on the campaign trail. And when he wasn't vilifying his Republican competitors for the nomination, and when he wasn't sticking his foot square in his mouth, and when he wasn't saying profoundly stupid things, occasionally he had sound bites that were halfway believable with regard to matters pertaining to the weakness of the military. That has not changed. The morale may have been improved. And this administration may have withdrawn from that wonderful, pardon me, wonderful agreement with Islamist Iran. But our military has not vaulted from a position of weakness and vulnerability and jeopardy to being the sole world superpower. That hasn't happened. And our president doesn't do himself or his administration or, more importantly by far, this nation, nor the military itself, any favors by lying like this. And to the U.N., Uh, It's just such a great 
podium to you, such a great bully pulpit there at the UN that is rife with wickedness. But have John Bolton make your remarks. Have Nikki Haley make the remarks, make the statements, make the speeches, and not use yours. But, President, stay home. Don't go making a fool of yourself. Uh, (laughs) Well, that's not going to stop. But meanwhile, I'm sure you've seen more about California's big one, and I've spoken of it in just the past couple programs. But the big one is not going to be one, as I have said. Now, the last big one, supposedly, what was referred to as that, what is likened to being a big one, was in 1906 in San Francisco. And amazingly enough, as devastating as that earthquake was, still, the actual fatalities, the casualties, were surprisingly low considering the amount of devastation of monstrous destruction that was wrought. And then, going back before that, there was a monster earthquake that hit Southern California. And it exploded more than 200 miles of the San Andreas Fault. But this next incident, it's not going to be one. It's not going to be a big one if you're thinking in terms of a single earthquake, which is what they keep talking about nonsensically. It's not going to be. It's going to be a massive chain reaction like so many dominoes, to put it in a very genteel way. All going down. Chain reaction of massive earthquakes of massive proportions. But I found it interesting that the experts, they dismissed tsunamis. No, there's no danger of tsunamis because, of course, the earthquake, first of all, it's just going to be an earthquake, not earthquakes, not a series of earthquakes. But... No, there won't be any tsunamis because the earthquake, singular, is going to take place on shore, on the mainland. And, of course, those earthquakes do not result in tsunamis. It's so wonderful that they are so all-knowing, isn't it? It's so wonderful that they have the measure of this thing, that they really know how it's going to be. It's not going to be like what took place in Japan. Earthquakes onshore, earthquakes offshore, tsunamis, nuclear reactor meltdown. No, heavens no. That's not going to take place. I saw something else the other day with regard to Uh, making preparation, taking preparation in case the big one's on its way. And they were talking about strapping your water heater 
to the wall so it couldn't fall over and crash onto the gas line. So this pertained expressly to gas water heaters. Well, a couple problems with that. One is that households, I should say homes or houses, that have gas water heaters typically have gas for other devices, other appliances, not merely the water heater. They'll have it for the furnace. They will have it for fireplaces. They will have it for the range, the stove, and what have you. All right? So (laughs) this idea that keeping, if they could, keeping a gas water heater from toppling over, landing on a gas line, that that's going to prevent the gas line rupturing, that's going to prevent gas explosions in one house and another, and chain reactions taking out entire developments. Oh, no, that could never happen. Could never happen. Well, yes, it could. (laughs) Yes, it could. Yes, it can. Yes, it will. Perhaps you saw something about uh, these stories regarding what are referred to as killer robots. You know, this sounds like something out of Hollywood as far as using that term, killer robots. But yes, it, it is a coming attraction. And the European Union recently passed a resolution, the European Parliament, parliamentary body of the European Union, they passed a resolution, and this resolution calls for a ban, an international ban on the development, production, deployment, and use of weapons that kill without human beings making the decisions to fire these weapons. Now, I am not opposed to this resolution, this mighty, mighty action taken by the European Union's parliament, this resolution calling for a ban on these weapons, these autonomous weapons. And yes, they are referred to as autonomous weapons. So these weapon systems, they are programmed to search out, to select, and to destroy targets. And what do they use? What do these autonomous, computerized weapon systems of this extremely high-level computerization What do they use? They employ artificial intelligence, AI. That's right. They use artificial intelligence, and get this, without human control. Now, perhaps you remember back when there was the Gulf War. Gulf War I, Gulf War II. And our great military leaders here in the United States of America 
their mantra was command and control, command and control. Well, command and control has been a signature mantra of the U.S. military for some time now, but also employed by the law enforcement agencies of this sort and that sort. Command and control. And yet these weapon systems have no human control. Outstanding. So the command and control is by the weapons systems. This is like 2001, a space odyssey with Hal. Only thing is, in this case, Hal's not going rogue. Hal is designed that way, intended that way. <laughs> Isn't, doesn't that just give you warm, fuzzy feelings all over? Really? It's just tremendous. You know, there's been one movie after another... Not just going back to Dr. Strangelove, whatever, but recently, in recent years, in the past year and two years and three years and four years, in which there is a tremendous conspiracy. I know conspiracies, you know, are fictional. They never happen, even if they do go all the way back to the beginning of mankind. But they had these terrific conspiracies designed to overthrow the White House and to seize control of the nuclear weapons. And you can go back through the James Bond movies and all of these others, and you find it to be a thread that just runs through them. This is just a, a continually sought-after objective is to seize control of the football of the nuclear codes, of nuclear weapons either here in the United States of America or employed by, under the control and command of the United States military or elsewhere, those of other nations. Oh yes, some rogue criminal seizing nuclear weapons from peaceful, benevolent, beneficent Russia or Soviet Union or communist China or whatever, and then, you know, threatening mankind with them. But here, lo and behold, these weapon systems, they don't need any codes. They don't need the football. They don't need the president to act or the vice president or the secretary of defense or the Pentagon or anything else. No, no, no. They can act on their own without any human control, interesting, it's uh, a case of the dog walking the dog walker, <laughs> only in the most extreme sense of it. Yes, well, those who passed this ban, this legislation calling for a ban, not actually banning, but calling for a ban, they are fearful that Worst case scenario, yes, dangerous mistakes could be made as a result of programming. Imagine that, 2001, the space odyssey come to life, but in a most extraordinarily breathtakingly world-encompassing, world-destroying form, virulent form. And 
It stated that the U.S., good old U.S. of A., as well as most favored nation, communist China, and the Russian Federation of Vladimir Putin, and the U.K. and some other nations, are moving closer and closer to these autonomous systems. Yes. And you've heard of the AK-47, that famous, infamous (laughs) weapon, depending on who's using it. It has been used by infamous ones and famous ones. But the Russian weapon, the AK-47, made by Kalishnikov, Kalishnikov has developed now an automated weapon able to identify, select targets, and make decisions autonomously to destroy them. So, anyway, there's this call to ban them internationally. And there was this statement, quote, The power to decide over life and death should never be taken out of human hands and given to machines, end quote. And, you know, I agree with that. I can't help but agree with that. However, I would go so far as to say this. If those decisions are in the hands of ungodly, unrighteous, wicked people, it doesn't really matter. Decisions being made by unfeeling mechanical weapon systems with artificial intelligence... even if programmed by wicked people, are not going to be worse than decisions made by those same wicked people. But it does allow for things to be done in a way that they could not be done if it required orders to be given. And so it is more dangerous in that sense. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever's right and true and good in these programs is thanks to my Lord and God and King and His Holy Son, Jesus. Lord and God and King being God Almighty and his holy son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever's wrong, lacking, erring, that's on me. Now, you've probably seen stories and heard reports about the diplomats from Canada and from the U.S. who have been targeted in Cuba, in communist Cuba, Yes, perish the thought, uh, targeted for harassment and harm via weapons, microwave weapons and so forth. And I've commented about that in previous programs. And as I said in previous programs, and I will just allude to it here, is that this is from little bitty former slave state of the Soviet Union. 
But Cuba, even though it is no longer a slave satellite state of the Soviet Union, because the Soviet Union, of course, morphed into the Russian Federation, even as the KGB morphed into its current incarnation, FSB, but (laughs) it is still the same people. No, Fidel Castro passed on and his dear, dear brother Rafael took over, right? Murderous, murderous axe man, (laughs) his uh, right-hand war room boss, Rafael, just like Hillary for Bill, but Canadian diplomats who were not in Cuba expressed disbelief and shock and horror about this because they said, you know, they had had such a great relationship with Cuba. They were the friends, the allies of Cuba. And why Cuba would have turned on them and attacked, literally attacked their people, their people's families, their people's pets, poisoning them to death and doing all manner of things and using these microwave weapons against them. Why would they do such a thing? It's so illogical. It doesn't make sense. Well, destroyers destroy. And that is a time-honored truth throughout human history. But the idea that this sort of weaponry has been used to target diplomats of Western nations down in Cuba, including those who have advocated for free trade with Cuba all of these years, to imagine that that goes on and that it hasn't gone on in Russia and China against Russian people, against Chinese people. No, not just against Western diplomats, but against Russian people. Dear old Joseph Stalin and all of his successors, they used psychiatric prisons and psychiatric so-called science and so-called medicine the same way Adolf Hitler used it and to torture and destroy their own people. And there certainly has been enough that has come out. It's not all of the dirty secrets. It's not all of the truth by a long shot. There is much that will never come out regardless of the Freedom of Information Act There are secrets that will never be told, that will never see the light of day, that will never be known, but only be suspected by a very few. Suspicions concerning the use of such weapons against targeted American citizens. No, not against Russian spies, like in the TV series, The Russians, or rather the Americans, it would have had much less impact if it said the Russians. It was the Americans, starring Kerry Russell. But no, not targeting 
spies of foreign powers of the former Soviet Union and now the Russian Federation and of communist China and of communist North Korea. No, not targeting them. Not targeting agents, vicious, ruthless, murderous agents of various banana republics and other regimes that are headquartered at the UN in New York City and enjoy amazing diplomatic immunity to commit all manner of evils, including rape and murder here in the United States of America. But no, instead, weapons targeting American citizens, but very, very, very few and very carefully selected American citizens. No, that would never take place. That's only in, you know, in some fictional work. It would never happen here, even though these things have been being used by backwards Cuba, by backwards communist Cuban regime for lo these many years. But they would never have been used here in the United States of America. The CIA never would have had access to such things and never would have used them. Well, they've had the wonderful cover from the psychiatric industry, dare I call it, that anybody that complained of such things, complained not only of symptoms but suspicions, well, that was tantamount de facto proof of their insanity. And then, of course, it required institutionalization where they would be subjected to all manner of beneficent, benevolent treatments like electroshock so-called therapy and drugging with mind-bending drugs like the CIA has used in experiments going back decades and decades. But it was tantamount de facto proof of mental illness, insanity, requiring that these people be involuntarily committed, put in the hands of those that are doing these things to them. Oh, no, that has never taken place in the United States of America, thankfully. United States of America has been a bastion for freedom and so forth, and such things have never taken place. Well, this I will say is that as far as groups being targeted, they have not been groups. They have been individuals that have been targeted. And they were not blacks. They were not people of color. They were not atheists. They were not agnostics. They were not apostate so-called Christians. They were not the free love flower children. No. No, instead they were a very, very, very tiny, extreme minority within the groups that were targeted by the Clintons when they were in the White House. But perhaps you saw the latest on the terroristic assassinations committed by Vladimir Putin and his FSB, KGB, and so forth. Well, here in Britain, I've mentioned in previous programs about this vicious poisoning of Sergei Skripal, 
and of his daughter Yulia, who was visiting him from Russia. And Sergei, of course, was a former Russian spy. And while she was visiting her father, they were poisoned. And all of those who came in contact with them also experienced poisoning. And the poison that was used was extremely deadly. And lo and behold, these couple fellows, Alexander Petrov and Ruslan Bushrov, have been charged now, finally, with conspiracy to murder. And there are some fascinating things about these two fellows is that little things like their passport information. Well, within, contained within their passports, one of the suspects has a top-secret marking and a telephone number with the order, do not give information. <laughs> and the number was called... And what did it happen to reach, do you imagine? A reception desk at the Russian Defense Ministry. And meanwhile, their tickets for this trip, for this vacation they were taking to the UK, it showed that the flight manifest indicated that these two men, they bought their tickets at the last minute. Fascinating way to book your vacation huh? at the last minute. It speaks of, oh, I don't know, <laughs> something other than it being just a peaceful, relaxing vacation. Additionally, biographical information about these men was found, and they said they found it to be astonishing that the department that issued the passports only does so for those working in very specialized roles for the Russian regime. Namely, people working in undercover intelligence service work. But, of course, we know that these fellows were innocent of any wrongdoing. They were simply tourists. They were on holiday. And what were they interested in going to see but none other than the spire of the Salisbury Cathedral and Stonehenge? Well, Scotland Yard believes that they are using pseudonyms. Shocking. Who would use pseudonyms? <laughs> Certainly not. I think Scotland Yard is just being too suspicious, don't you? Meanwhile, Vladimir Putin and his best buddy, no, not Donald Trump, even though, yes, he fancies himself a best friend, but an actual BFF, none other than... Xi Jinping, they got together again for another powwow. They've been having a lot of powwows, and they have done cooking. They've gotten together and done cooking. What's, what are they cooking up? 
What are they cooking up for the free world, for the world at large? Let me see. Nuclear superpower communist China with Xi Jinping president for life, literally, formally president for life, and Russian Federation nuclear power with former KGB headman Vladimir Putin. De facto president for life, dictators for life for both of these regimes, former Soviet Union, Russian Federation and communist China. And they get together and they they do the Julia Child bit, you know, the Graham Kerr galloping gourmet Julia Child gourmet cooking bit. Only it's a little less gourmet. They're cooking, you know, blintzes or they're cooking pancakes or they're cooking spring rolls or whatever, depending on whether they're cooking in Russia or in China, cooking different things. Well, Xi Jinping said the following. The president and I agree that since the beginning of this year, Russian-Chinese relations have been showing dynamic growth. He referred to Putin as being a close friend and that they had entered into a new era of rapid development, and they are reaching a higher level. It was their third meeting in one-third of a year. (laughs) Third meeting in a third of a year. Yes, their summits. Well, they are great leaders, great leaders indeed. And... Interestingly enough, this last, this most recent meeting of theirs took place while they were having combined war games, the largest war games since the Reagan era. Fascinating, really. Yes. Well, They share ideals, you know, on a high level. It's referred to as a high level, looking down, you know, on us peons. Uh, Up there in the ether, they, they have this high level view that there should be several independent power centers instead of a single nation hegemony. Instead of a worldwide regime that enslaves the entirety of the world, there should be several independent power centers. Hmm, makes me think of those several independent power centers of Hitler's Nazi regime, Mussolini's pathetic Italian regime, which was still murderous, and Hirohito's Japan makes me think of those or of Uncle Joe's Soviet regime, Soviet Union regime, and Mao Zedong's communist Chinese regime. It's not a matter of free nations having power, having sovereignty, autonomy, not being under the fist of the UN, 
you know, the new, the coming resurrection of the former Roman Empire, but rather this is slave states. I know, I know Russia is free, right? Not really. These are slave states that have locked hands, locked arms. But really, this to do that, oh, they're, you know, supposedly drawing closer and uh, having this great relationship, that's garbage. They have been in lockstep. They have been connected at the hip for decades and decades and decades. This is not something new. But what was mentioned was something else, and that was a more desirable world order. They aim, they seek a more desirable world order. So you see, their desirable world order is one in which they share command and control enslavement of the entire world. Now, whether it's going to happen under their control, I don't believe. (laughs) I don't believe it. I'm not buying it. I happen to think they will be trumped, not by Donald Trump, but by another power, the one I just referred to, the coming Reich of the former Russian bear and German master race and all of these others combined. I think Putin will have to join in to be part of it. That he, the communist China and this Russian federation, even locked together, even joined at the hips, will not be able to take over without becoming part of a world regime in which they are not calling the shots. But rather, there are these deep state so-called individuals, those behind the screen, those behind the scenes, who really will rear up a new version of the Roman Empire. But fascinating that they would have us believe that they are going to establish their power centers in union, in agreement, in friendship, in friendly collaboration. Yes, it's also benevolent and beneficent and peace-loving and peaceful and seeking the good of mankind. Perhaps you saw that the village voice is no more. That's right, it is shutting down, shutting down. The village voice, oh my, where is Richard Branson when you really need him? Where is he? Well, the village voice has been perhaps irrelevant for a while now. 
with the advent of all of the Internet media powers. But nonetheless, I would think just as a, I don't know, a poetic statement that Richard Branson would have charged in and taken over the Village Voice and and used it, you know, for his purposes. I'm very disappointed in him that he has not done so because I just would think that would be right up his alley. And speaking of Britain in the form of Sir Richard, not Richard the Lionheart, but Branson, but speaking of Britain in light of him, I came across something that was not surprising but was nonetheless appalling. (laughs) Well, back in 2001, 2001 A Space Odyssey, 2001 9-11, 2001. Premier Christian Radio in Britain, in the jolly old UK, they received an official warning from the radio authority, which now has been uh, taken over by Ofcom, O-F-C-O-M, Office of Communications. But back then, it was the radio authority. And that was a regulatory body that controlled, that governed radio in the UK. And they received this official warning for broadcasting items that were offensive to people of other non-Christian beliefs, non-Christian religions, for offending them. And so the UK regime of this once supposedly Christian nation, this bastion of Christendom, which of course had been Roman Catholic and then Church of England, and which has been an enormous persecutor of Christians in the past, which is, of course, why the... <laughs> why those pilgrims and Puritans came to, the, to these lands, to these shores. But nonetheless, here the British regime came down on this independent, private radio group, Premier Christian Radio, and demanded that they cease and desist from offending Muslims and such. So, Premier Christian Radio caved. And a yellow card warning was issued which recognized that Premier Christian Radio had acknowledged its errors its sins, if you will, and had put in place a range of new compliance measures to ensure that such egregious offenses would never be repeated. Outstanding. Well, that's what we've got going on here in the U.S. of A. and the via uh, the Federal Communications Commission. 
That's their role. (laughs) And this is actually a cautionary tale. We can look forward to more of this in the near future, because in point of fact, uh, FCC, under this administration, that meaning the, I was going to say this administration and that administration, under the Clinton-Rodham-Gore regime and under the Obama-Biden regime and so forth, has been wielded this way. Something to look forward to. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you. <laughs>